Blog Talk Radio. Oh, you didn't know? We're here. Give me the green light. Oh, yeah. Cause I'm ready to go. Let's have a good time. If you're going to bring back the Las Vegas franchise, it has to be outlawed. They had one of the sweetest looking logos on the helmet. Cause I'm ready to go. Mother of God. Especially when you have a shirtless Rodney Dangerfield. God bless Rodney Dangerfield. Rest in peace. But put on a shirt, man. Don't nobody want to see that. You put that on right now. You'll be headline news on Fox News. One, sell this on. One, is this or is this not the XFL? Yes, it is. Two, do I or do I not currently have a pulse? Yes, I do. Let's play football. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This will be the Extreme Football Podcast. I am your host, J Dash, aka. Well, I can't really do that. I'm your host, Jim Marie, aka J Dash, and welcome to episode nine ish. Orlando, big time question mark. It's been a while since we've done an extreme football podcast because there's been absolutely zero, nada, zilch, none XFL news. Lately, there's been some ruffling in the bushes of that so-called minor league foreman in the AAF. My conspiracy theories about that are slowly but surely fading away to AAF. It's actually going to be competition for the XFL. And we also got some news that rumbling down in Orlando. Of course, I can't do this without my co-host, the wrestling movie guy. Hey, good to be back, as it has been a while. Whew, yeah, not not a lot of news, but guess what? We got a little bit. We got a little bit of bait, and we're going to reel it in. So, where do you want to start? Well... Approximately two days ago, reports from Orlando Sentinel of Big Time Sports writer Mike Bianchi uh, reported that Alan Johnson, executive director of Orlando Venues, was uh, told Mike Bianchi that the World Wrestling Federation, crap, there I go, the World Wrestling Entertainment, or WWE, contacted the city about the XFL being in Orlando prior to the Alliance of American Football that was announced last month. Kind of interesting that this is the news, but when we think of Orlando in the realm of the XFL, a lot of us will think of the Orlando Rage because that was the official first franchise of the XFL. And also, which is kind of surprising to me, is that the Alliance of American Football, first franchise, is in Orlando. So it kind of build up my conspiracy about the XFL and the AAF. But with this announcement coming out, not really announcement, but rumors that Orlando is going to be a site for the XFL. I've been saying ever since I started this show, this, me and my co-host started this show, I said Orlando is a lock to have an extreme football league team. And we've gotten comments, we've got messages from other people around the the social media realm saying that, no, you don't know that. It won't happen, whatever. Well, the source I've had down in Orlando this whole time, 
Now this newspaper article will come out about the XFL and the WWE. Hmm. Solidified Orlando. So here's the next step. Will the AAF and the XFL coexist in Orlando? Well, here's a little spectrum, a little thing to look at, ladies and gentlemen. The AAF team, yes, have Steve Spurrier, and Steve Spurrier or contacted Tim Tebow, a sub-200 baseball player playing some minor league up in uh, Syracuse, I think. Um, but, yeah, he won the Heisman and won a couple of national titles at the University of Florida. So the AAF is hoping <laughs> – the AAF is hoping that the University of Florida fan base comes out in droves to see Tim Tebow. The XFL, of course, people say, well, the XFL won't survive because people will be anti, you know, Vince McMahon because Vince McMahon has supporting donors from, you know, upper hierarchy that's against the narrative of today of, of political agenda, but I'm not getting into that. The XFL has the Orlando Rage, past tradition. We've already seen what Orlando did in, back in 2001. The AF, eh, okay. Nice, nice, nice. Okay, you, you launched a program. We do. You got Spurrier. Has been coach. Uh, destroyed one franchise in Washington. Did okay in Tampa Ow. Bay. Won a national, two national titles in the University of Florida. Um, okay, yeah. And he likes to play a lot of golf down in the state of Florida, so I understand that placement. But the XFL – from day one, you knew Orlando was a target, and they'll still be a target. Vince McMahon's pretty much saying, okay, Eversol, you put a team in Orlando? Well, go screw yourself. You knew I was going to Orlando prior to this, so you panicked and put a team in Orlando before I can make my steps. So now we know that Orlando is a key subject. But here's the thing. You have the WWE fan base who goes out in droves in the Orlando area. Crap, NXT is stationed there. Super WrestleMania's, Raw, SmackDown. And they average about eighteen to 20,000 people event. I think the XFL franchise for Orlando will do just fine because people who support Vince McMahon in the WWE, maybe not all of them, let's just say about 80% of them, if you do 80%, that's still about 18,000, 17,000 people will come out and support the team. I guarantee you, that those attendance numbers and that pop- popularity of the XFL team will destroy any type of uh, Steve Spurrier-ish Gator stuff in the the AAF. So Orlando's in the news. So we got to look at that being positive looking that we finally have XFL news. Thank God. But AAF, nice going, going to Atlanta to a team, to a city that doesn't even support their major league teams. Unless they are winning. Either A, the Hawks never get support even though when they're in the playoffs, which is ask the people in the Eastern Conference to play them. Hint, the Boston Celtics and then Washington um, crap, Wizards. Wizards. I almost said the Capitals. Um, and I'm wearing my those, Bullets jersey right now. <laughs> and, the, and, the, and the stadium, and the land's usually empty. The, Haw- yeah, the Atlanta no. Falcons, yes, have had great attendance. A brand-new stadium does bring that attraction back. And, of course, your team just made a Super Bowl run two years ago. The oh, they've Arena, always the, been the uh, number one. Oh, yeah, they will always be. Um, then you have the the soccer team, the Atlanta United. Yeah, everyone's all buzzing about the new soccer team. Correct. You get that for your first expansion year. But MLS soccer in Atlanta – will sell more than the AAF because 
the AAF team has to compete with the basketball team and the Hawks and the baseball team and the Braves once they get there. That's going to be some competition. The reason why a lot of people go see the Atlanta Falcon games because, you know, NFL is the number one sport in the United States. And number two, it's the only damn thing going on in that city during those months, besides the later term when NBA starts in, NBA starts in November and October. But you get mm-hmm. the drift. So, AF, good time. Just put a team in Orlando because you want to be like the XFL and get your first franchise there. But you skip over Birmingham, a city that deserves another franchise, or Memphis. So you go to mm-hmm. Atlanta. Huh. Very unique place to go to Atlanta when Birmingham, who has no sports. And my damn cat again here. He goes again. Stop it. Excuse me, ladies and gentlemen. Meow. <laughs> Jumping on the freaking walls. But going to Atlanta. Hello. What's going on, people? Atlanta has enough sports. It's a big city. Well, the only reason why Orlando sounds better is because it's only the magic. Then you got Tampa, that's a couple of hours, like two hours away. You got Jacksonville, it's two hours away. You got Miami, four hours away. Orlando's different. Atlanta, that's a question mark. I just don't understand. But we finally got XFL news. It's been over six months. Is it six months? Nah, it hasn't been six months. It's been more than like three months. Four months. And no, it was January. We've just, we just been months. doing a lot of podcasts in the meantime. We've been doing a lot, so it feels like yeah. it's been longer. <laughs> Seems like it's been god-awful. Uh, <laughs> so it actually, it actually, it actually started in the January, so, Water. so 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 five months from five months ago. But we finally got XFL news, and you kind of expect this to start, you know, picking up. And if you're fans of the AAF, and I see a lot of support groups out there doing both AAF and XFL, please choose a side. One's anti XFL; they're doing everything like the XFL from the original XFL rushing the league in the year, forcing teams in the next couple of months, hiring big-time uh, executives and coaches. It's going – how they're setting up their league in the AF just sounds like – it sounds all nice, sounds all gravy, but it sounds like it's going to be a failure because they're rushing too quickly into the league. So by the time 2020 arrives, we'll watch the fall of the AF, and everyone goes, oh, look, the XFL is here, and, man, Vince actually built up a foundation. But anyways, we finally got XFL news, and that's awesome. Well, I definitely got a few thoughts on all this. Uh, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind when hearing about everything that's going on in in Atlanta and in Orlando, you know, Orlando versus Orlando, I'm definitely worried about oversaturation. And I do wonder, and this is probably unlikely, but if, if this should happen, it would be absolutely insane, is if every single town or city that the XFL has been speaking to, and you know they've been talking, Somehow word's going to get to the AAF, and it would not surprise me if they go to every spot where the XFL is supposed to be. And if they do that, that is going to be an absolute cluster F. Like, that's going to be insane. And I could see the NFL being absolutely fine with losing their shirt with the AAF because they can afford to cover the costs because, well, it's the NFL. They're, they make mm-hmm. billions of dollars. So for them, it's like a kamikaze, like it's win-win, you know, even if they, you know, ruin their own minor league system, as long as it takes down the XFL with it, it really doesn't matter to them. That's one thing I'm worried about. I found this out the other day. 
you remember the European League over in uh, the Myron League over oh, in yeah. Europe? The European the League. Rain, fire. You know, yeah. Amsterdam the Admirals. Frank, I remember the all Franklin that. Franklin Thunder and all of them. Uh, I think it was like the. What was it like the London uh, Monarchs, and then they folded like within the London Brigade, actually. I think it was the London London Brigade. You know how much money the NFL lost on those on those teams? A lot. Yeah, just just roughly give me an estimation. Mm. I got the actual. I I don't think they lost a billion dollars, but I would imagine five hundred to seven hundred million dollars. Four hundred and three million dollars. Remember the nothing. It folded in what two thousand three? in what two thousand three? The league. Yeah, and it started you know what in ninety four. You think. know what the estimation of how much it will cost if they had that league again fold again? Right now, uh, probably Let's cost say it, like eight hundred or nine hundred million dollars. No, it will actually uh, actually increases, and if the league survived for three years and it collapsed on the same type today. Based on the same numbers, you know how interest and all that stuff because every product gets you know richer. The NFL, if they launch the European League and it failed in its first year, will cost the NFL 1.6 billion dollars. Wow! And the reason why I found this information is because they're going to do this thing is the, the UF, the AAF is supposed to be like the minor league to the NFL. This is a lot of you know executive, former executives of the NFL, former players in the NFL. Um, and you know the NFL is going to have some money in it. Yes, NFL just got kept killing off of the draft. I know a lot of us have seen the draft because look at all the ratings. The NFL will survive just based on that. But you start, you know, freaking up rules, certain situations, and certain deals will change. But anyways, this guy said if the European was relaunched with five teams and it and it, and it survived one year and then it folded, it will cost 1.6 million dollars of the NFL. If they now do $1.6 billion, excuse me, I said million. $1.6 billion would affect – if they did in the United States, theoretically with the same price margin in the United States, even, even though it was $410 million that they lost in, in Europe when the European League fell, if that was in the United States at that time, if it was in, in the United States, it would have cost the NFL almost $700 million. It was almost cheaper to lose a league in Europe than it was in the United States. But the AAF, yes, has NFL back in it, and it's all nice and dandy. But I look at it this way. It seems like this league is being for you. I, I'll follow their Twitter accounts. Like, oh, we're heading west. Hmm, okay. If you go listen to – if you go read some San Antonio news right now, it's projected that San Antonio is going to be the next city in the, in the AAF. Okay. And, you know, they may go to L.A. They may go to L.A. They may go to San Diego, whatever. They're definitely going to L.A., go to another oversaturated city. But Yeah, going to going to San Antonio doesn't sound like a good idea. I mean, the San Antonio Armadillos, I think, from the uh, United States Football League, nobody went to those games. San Antonio is a basketball town. Like, they love basketball. Like, you go to Dallas, of course you're going to get some football. But, nah, San yeah. Antonio, that's a uh, – no offense to San Antonians, but I just don't think that's a good market for either the XFL or the AAF. Yeah, but it's for the XFL thing. XFL would do better in San Antonio because you have that. You know, you got the WWE crowd. That's but true. The AAF is coming up from nothing. Oh yeah, we're a branch off the NFL. Oh, that's a good selling point. You just telling the people that yeah, we're a minor league and we know it. 
Well, at least the XFL hasn't publicly said that they're a minor league, and you know dang well because of this launch in the AAF, Vince is going to try and find a way to keep, you know, pay players more, basically, try and get, you know, type, type high-profile players or higher-profile players in the AAF. But it's just interesting that Orlando is in competition for an XFL team and for an AAF team. So this time next year, a lot of interesting things are going to be brewing. But this time this year, the league's almost over. It'd be like week eight or week nine in the XFL season slash AAF season because they're predicted to go at the same time. But seeing that tonight's episode or this part of today's episode is so short, uh, we're only going to give you 30 minutes of the Extreme Football Podcast because of that. And when more news comes up, we'll do the same thing, but we'll so do the Just Bring Wrestling Talk right after this. But right now, I have some breaking news. Where's that music? There it is. There it is. Ron Burgundy here. Oh, Baker Mayfield, quarterback, Oklahoma, number one overall Uh-oh. to the Cleveland Browns. Damn you, Cleveland Browns. You ruined I... the ultimate trade that was going to happen if you didn't pick Baker freaking Mayfield. Reports have come out. Reports have come out that the New England Patriots were going to trade away their two first rounders and a third rounder to the New York Jets to get the number two overall pick to select Baker Mayfield to be the heir apparent of Tom Brady. But <laughs> Cleveland Browns. Why Tom? Why Baker Mayfield? Did you know something was happening? Hmm, probably. But I want to say this year's draft is was you know unique because of Baker Mayfield. Uh, my little comments and overviews of the draft: uh, Jacksonville got a very decent defensive tackle to replenish that lethal defensive line in Jacksonville. Um, Chubb goes to Denver. Denver already has a dominant defense. Gear God, they're going to even get better. Mm, and, not as and dominant the, as it used well, to be, but still well, very good. Well above if, average. Well above that, but if, still last year. If they year, have uh, an average. Yeah. If they have an average quarterback, which they do now with uh, Casey Keenum, and that defense, <laughs> that defense <laughs> itself is going to win you eight games. That's if you score 20 points or more. I mean, I hope so. I mean, if you guys have listened long enough, you know that the Redskins are my true dear number one. But ninety for my for my fanhood, it's ninety percent Redskins, ten percent Broncos. Still got that love for him. But uh, oh, man, dude, yeah, they didn't have a quarterback last year. But the defense, I'm telling you, like go back and watch. So especially towards the end of the season, they just didn't look that good. There was something wrong. Von Miller, of course, was killing it, but the coverage wasn't very good. It seemed like they were more disorganized. Uh, again, I'm no, I think no that comes expert, from but I can tell offense. something was wrong. I think that was coming yeah, from but, an offense that couldn't score points. Yeah, that's true. But I mean, if this if this defense is is the you know so great, you know, like shouldn't they have been able to hold it down like the 2000 Baltimore Ravens? And I hate making that example because I hate the Ravens. But the 2015 Denver defense that won that Super Bowl, and you know the. Um, the 2000 Ravens D, very similar. There's a lot of similarities there, especially the fact that both of them have kind of fallen off fairly quickly. You know, mm-hmm. those 2000 Ravens, a lot of people love to talk about how great they were, and they were. 
but after that year, they never got back to a Super Bowl again. So no. that's just my opinion. I think, though, that, that Denver did make some good pickups. I'm also happy with what the Redskins did, especially the first two picks. De'Ron Payne as a defensive tackle to help, to help uh, Washington's NFL worst rushing defense that gave up 134.7 yards a game. And, of course, getting, uh, getting that running back, uh, Darius Geis Juice, however you want to say his name. I thought that was a steal. I couldn't believe how far that guy fell. Uh, apparently, there was, like, some weird uh, background issues. Uh, he had, like, a meeting with Philadelphia. And, again, this is alleged. This is all allegations. Uh, they had uh, a meeting with him in Philadelphia, and it somehow turned into a screaming match from what I hear. Don't know how that happened. But as far as I can tell, uh, it doesn't look like that's true. Somebody probably tried to put in, you know, uh, you know, bad word of mouth, kind of like Dan Marino when he got drafted in 1980, uh, 1983. He fell all the way to the bottom because of some kind of bad word of mouth. I think well, that Darius like Joyce Rosen. was a victim of that, too. <laughs> Josh Rosen, you see what he tweeted in high school? No, I didn't. Comments, he meant, a bunch of racial mm-hmm. racial comments. Yeah, that got leaked down. He dropped. He went all the way to the Arizona Cardinals at number 10. But eh, I just love how when one quarterback went out of the pick, you heard, like, all the rumors and all the mock drafts leading up to the draft. People said, well, there's going to be at least four quarterbacks or five quarterbacks taken. And they're telling you this. I don't understand why when the first quarterback is taken, all of a sudden the ESPN, Fox, MSNBC, all the news channels that cover – the NFL draft, go fucking berserk. You've been telling us the whole dang time that there are going to be five quarterbacks going to be selected. But once the first quarterback uh, quarterback gets selected, it's like, everybody, time to panic. Time to panic. It's like, <laughs> you told us this is going to happen. And it's dead. It's entertainment, of course. But when you tell us six quarterbacks are going to be drafted in the NFL and then the first one happens and you start telling people let's try to panic all these teams are panicking no none of these teams are panicking you could tell the teams that draft the quarterbacks were the ones that needed the quarterbacks and the teams that didn't draft quarterbacks already have an established quarterback Um, unless your name is the New England Patriots where you draft a quarterback in the seventh round because you trust Tom Brady is going to stay healthy for all 16 games and you think a 41 year old is just going to be as good as he is. Uh, hint, Dan Marino. Uh, age caught up to him very quickly towards the end of his career, especially that 99 season. Uh, Thanks to your Jaguars, 63-7 yeah, in the playoffs yeah. in his last year, if I remember correct. Correct. They blew that heck out of him. Uh, but any the, the shocker to me was the um, – Baker Mayfield one, but the one that the pick that really got me, and I just really wanted to jump into the TV and just smack this dude across the face and say, be appreciated. He got freaking drafted with Lamar Jackson. Hey, Lamar, great athlete. You're a stud. You're going to make a lot of money in NFL, but I hate to break it to you. You're not going to be a quarterback. And Well, you're drafted as a quarterback in the NFL. You're not going to be that type of quarterback in the NFL. You're going to be the Vince Young version of Michael Vick. Ooh. Kind of. Ouch. Yeah. Well, at least yeah, he'll uh, end his career with more touchdowns than picks. If you actually look at Vince's numbers, like as far as <laughs> career goes, like there's a lot of quarterbacks on this planet that would kill to have those numbers. Of but course. yeah, yeah his, 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 uh, 
his reputation was tarnished after that. Actually, I kind of feel bad for him now because once he did actually Vince Young, when he did clean up his act, he really did try to come back and just wasn't in the cards for him. I actually think that um, Jackson is going to do eventually. I think that he could be a quarterback, but I feel like he's like a two-year project. Like no, he's more than take him a while. I don't know. I mean, at the same time, I think that a mobile quarterback has a better chance to transition quicker because when things go wrong in the pocket, he'll be able to move around. But mm-hmm. like, you know, like Tony Romo, for instance, a lot of people forget he was on the Cowboys for like four years before they ever put him in after Vinny Testaverde. And he was very raw, you know, came from a smaller school. They worked with him for a few years and they got it down. And I think what really helped him was that he was mobile. As much as people talk about uh, Romo getting hit all the time, being a Redskins fan, I loved it. Uh, the guy could move. He really could. There's a lot of crazy plays that, that he made. Mm-hmm. I think Lamar Jackson oh, oh, has oh. an opportunity to do that, but he was taken yeah. way too high. Oh, there's another thing, ladies and gentlemen. If you love the NFL, get ready, because you're going to be listening to nothing but Cowboys all the time on NFL. <laughs> you have Tony Romo on CBS. You'll have Troy Aikman on Fox, and you'll have Jason Witten on ESPN. So get ready for that. Uh, but you know what I found? You were talking eyes. about the quarterback. You thought you were talking about the the quarterback scenarios in Baltimore. Um, mm-hmm. I, I and it dawned on me, and I looked this up just now. Tyrod Taylor played for Baltimore for five years as a backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. Then he went and to Buffalo at, as a backup quarterback. Then he became a starter, and now he's in. Cleveland, and he's going Cleveland. to lose a starting job to uh, Baker Mayfield. I just don't. I, people say Baker Mayfield is going to be Johnny Manziel 2.0. I don't think so because Baker Mayfield's a bigger quarterback. He can take the punch. But the problem with Johnny Manziel, he never. Will, well, if you listen to a lot of Barstool sports stuff or a lot of ESPN uh, information, Johnny Manziel wasn't the film room type of person. He never studied his Ooh. mistakes. He just he just went out and did it. Baker Mayfield's completely different. He, when he was in Oklahoma, he was always the first one there, and he was the last one out. That's why Oklahoma was so dominant in his two years as, as him as a quarterback. Not really dominant. They did win 20 games. I think they went 21-3, I think, overall. But still, it's a hell of a two-year run for a walk-on at Texas Tech, then a walk-on to Oklahoma, then a Heisman Trophy winner, then the number one overall pick. People say this kid got – I love Baker Mayfield. I like him. He's a damn good quarterback, very good competitor. I just don't want him in Cleveland because Cleveland means that your career is over unless you go to Oakland and that's second-tier career over. But that's a lot of stereotypes for those two cities, but it's almost true. (laughs) My roommate was so convinced that um, the Cleveland Browns were not going to take Baker Mayfield, and I was telling for months, dude, they're going to. Well, why? Because they're the Browns. That's what they're going to do. They're going to go after the flashy guy. They're still looking for the real Tim Couch, what they really expected. And I think that they looked at Baker Mayfield as not only a redemption for, for Tim Couch, but also what happened with Johnny Manziel. Because if you look at it, it's almost like on the field play, this guy's what Tim Couch was in college at Kentucky. But personality-wise, he definitely has some of that Johnny Manziel shine. He's not as bad. I mean, uh, it doesn't look like he's going out and chugging a bunch of beers on video, which I'm sure there are out there, but he's not posting it all over Instagram and acting like a dummy. He still, I think he is a bit of a dick, but I think that he'll, he'll have a better chance than Menzel did it for the same reasons that you said, the guy works really hard. He's first in last to leave studies. Mm -hmm. 
that's something that Mantel just did not do. Like, and you know, well, you he's going to be the face before. of Cleveland here. He's going to no, be the face of Cleveland here pretty soon. Mm-hmm. Because he LeBron succeeds. James is gone. Uh, dude, LeBron if LeBron wins this series and actually gets to the finals, I could actually see him staying. But I still think he's going to leave. It's still pointing in that direction. But he <laughs> might change his mind if they win this series. If they take out Toronto, I think it'll give him a cause to pause. They're not taking out Toronto. Toronto can't get out of the second round. That's their curse. <laughs> well, they already lost home, home court advantage by losing game one. Yeah. Only the Wizards could have done that. Yeah, all oh, the Wizards well. can do that. But let's Come on, get DeMarcus to, Cousins. We got, uh, <laughs> Um, that's it. The Celtics don't get them first. Uh, quick update to the uh, playoffs, of course. Celtics uh, are losing people left and right, but still winning. Uh, trust the process just got bitch slapped by uh, uh, Brad Stevens the other night. Uh, Golden State looks like they're going to have an easy series against New Orleans. Utah and Houston didn't expect that last night from Utah. Donovan Mitchell is a beast. Dear God. Um, Gold Bears pretty good, too. And LeBron James versus the Toronto Raptors has turned out to be a, a very intriguing series. But as of right now, the NBA is pretty interesting. In the NHL, all the series are 2-1. So by the time we do another podcast of this, the series, I guarantee, may not be over. But so far, the playoffs have been very entertaining. But if there, are that, any, uh, if there are any Washington Capital fans listening, and you know you've heard me trash them, if they make it past you, if they make it to the conference round, I will legitimately get on here and take back what I have said. But, again, it's been like 13 years. They've never mm-hmm. gotten past this point, especially against Pittsburgh. I still don't tr- quite trust them yet. I'm still watching. I'll keep an eye on them. But I re- I- I'm, I'm hoping for the best, expecting the worst. But if they make it there, I will fully 100% apologize. So there you go, uh... Capitals fans. Because I've been getting some heat. So, <laughs> so it, it might be a choke job. The Celtics I think, play later tonight, so it may be interesting. The Bruins just got outplayed on their own ice last night, so the playoffs are the playoffs. Um, but besides from that, hmm, I don't know what to do now. Oh, yeah, here it is. Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody! I'm going to have to go tell the world exactly what's on the list of Jericho. You just made the list! I want Dusty Rhodes, the legendary American dream. Well, you got all of it you can stand, baby. Nobody runs down my people. Give me a hell yeah. What? Believe that. Screw you. You're fired. Wrestling fans, are you
after a wonderful transition right there. That was excellent timing, by the way, Jay. That's just, it's exactly 7.30 right now. We are now moving into wrestling territory. Absolutely pure wrestling. And first things first. Uh, well, you guys know we're here. We're going to talk. Uh, last time we were discussing... The apparent sweet one in Saudi Arabia. (laughs) (laughs) This is the sweet one, the greatest Royal Rumble, allegedly. Uh, Wow, where to begin with that? I'm sure what we had to say was fairly controversial last time, but you can't talk about what happened on Raw and SmackDown without discussing that. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you guys. I don't want to lie to y'all. I started watching the show. At first, I was like, good God, five hours? Holy crap. I didn't have enough time in the day to watch it all because the Washington Wizards was coming up. So I saw the first three matches, and because 7 o'clock was coming up for the Wizards, I skipped over and I went to directly to Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns because, you know, that's the big match for me that night. And I watched that, and oof, man, we're going to get into that once we talk about uh, Roman's promo this past Monday. But I watched that. I figured I was going to go back and finish it off after the Wizards game. And I got to be perfectly honest, a lot of what you said last week was really sticking in my head because I had thought about it before, but after I watched some of it and I got a taste of it, I could have gone back to finish it. I really didn't. I, I, I didn't go back to finish it. I still haven't. I feel dirty watching it. I don't, I don't think there's any other way of putting it. I felt dirty watching it. Um, so, yeah, I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I just felt dirty because of all the politics that were being played in it and the way that they're trying to you know, promote what's so great about Saudi Arabia, but not acknowledging what's wrong as well. There are changes being made. They're starting to get a little bit more progressive, but it wasn't good enough for me. And I got, yeah, I, I just can't finish it. I know who won. I know the Braun Strowman won the, uh, the greatest Royal rumble, um, you know, Roman lost and all that, but yeah, I, I couldn't finish it, but we, we do know who won, what went further, just checked out the highlights and that was it. Jadash, did you finish it? Did you watch it? Uh, you were definitely hating on it. <laughs> you were very passionate. And that passion ooh. caught on to me, man. All right, let's just say this. Uh, I turned it on. It's just like, and it's, it's like watching Animal Erotica. It's, you're so disturbed that you want to look away, but you can't well, look away necessarily. If you watch Clerks 2, ladies and gentlemen, you got the, that's the image. Of <laughs> ooh, uh, cake. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the one thing I watched it, and I caught the I got the tweet. Everyone got the tweet out there. If you were a WWE fan or not, of Tyus O'Neil's uh, sliding under the ring, I saw that, and it's like I gotta see what happened. So I went to the rest to the actual the Rumble match. Uh, if you look at the overall pay per view slash glorified house show, none of the storylines got screwed up. Thank you. That's I didn't want to have any title switch hands or any. Any storyline to get messed up. None of it really got messed up. They kind of, you know, keeping that for backlash Sunday for Sunday. So thank you. Uh, even though backlash seems like it's an afterthought because he did this event. Um, one thing that irritated me, of course, if you listen to our last week episode about the women not being allowed, um, my co-host, our excuse me, this is his show, um, Wrestle Movie <laughs> Guy mentioned that Sammy Zone, Sammy Zayn wasn't in the show in the match. And then it dawned on me, he's like, wait a minute, he wasn't in the 50 man Royal Rumble because he has some Iranian in him. And I was like, God. Now I really just like the program again. And also seeing all the princes 
the Arab family prince all from the ring in front row seats. And you see little girls in the crowd wearing John Cena t-shirts. And you know, it's like, oh, they're allowed to bring their girls to watch the event, but you don't allow to watch women fight in the event. Got the double standard there, Saudi Arabia. But I digress. Uh, I couldn't watch it. I just want to see the Titus O'Neil thing. And that's still sold the show. Um, yeah, the greatest Royal Rumble ever. Okay, well, it didn't get good ratings in the United States, and a lot of war, the, all the YouTube people who follow the WWE even said that yeah, it was just a glorified house show. It could have been just a dark match, and people would have been, oh, this is nice. But the Titus O'Neil thing sold it. I feel bad it was for the hilarious. guy. I feel bad for the guy because now he's a meme that will last forever. Uh, you see, I've seen so many different parodies of it now, like him sliding into a birthday cake, cake sliding into someone's DM, or uh, <laughs> when when the when the uh, when you're out with your girlfriend and the her man her her ex shows up and he shows you sliding under the bed. It was fun. It's, there's so many different things that are out there, but overall, I didn't care for the event. It didn't destroy the storylines. Thank God. Uh, uh, the leader of worlds. Thank you, Matt Hardy and. Uh, Bray Wyatt, that was like maybe another highlight, but besides from that, nah. Raw was better, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Yeah, well, I mean, Raw's always be better all. than a house show. <laughs> yeah, there were the, before we move on from that, uh, there were two things about it that stuck out to me. Uh, one, the ring setup. You know, fans, when you pay the most money, you typically are going to be right up front with your signs, really enjoying the show because you are a fan. You put that money out there to to enjoy it. But the way that they, if you miss it, the way that they set it up was that right outside of the ring where the best seats in the house are, they were all reserved specifically for the Saudi royal family. And when I'm watching this match, I just again, all these matches, I just felt uncomfortable because I, I see that these luxury seats and, you know, all these high powered individuals. I'm like, these aren't really fans. These aren't the true fans. I mean, they're there for publicity. Maybe they watch a little bit of wrestling. But I didn't see anybody really jumping. You know, there, there was, you know, a couple of kids, you know, of course, they're going to enjoy it. But I don't think that they fully grasp, you know, where they are in society. It just it didn't really feel like it was for the fans. I don't I, I, I just didn't really feel any true connection to it. And I felt so awkward for the wrestlers because they probably felt the same way in, in, in some shape or fashion and they're subconsciously in their heads. Like, I'm so used to doing this, but this is different but not in a good way. And that's negative. But the positive, I would say the presentation was really nice. I thought the stadium looked great. I thought the fireworks were really cool. Uh, It almost looked like a WrestleMania presentation, but of course it was not that. (laughs) It was a dirty thing, (laughs) but let's move on. (laughs) Roman Reigns kicked off Monday Night Raw to argue what I and many other wrestling fans felt was that Roman got robbed his feet clearly hit the ground first. You watch the match. Roman had Brock Lesnar on the ropes inside the cage, and he goes in to finish the job with a super spear, and they both go flying out because the cage breaks. Brock is still on the part of the cage when he lands, and Roman's feet and his head both land on the ground first. So Roman wins, right? Oh, no, no, no. Apparently not. They give it to Brock Lesnar anyway, because I know it's predetermined, but that's just so, so annoying that they actually had it scripted that way. 
Brock was going to win the whole time. Why? This was the perfect opportunity. Like, now I think the Roman might actually be done. Like, there's no way to go back. There really isn't. I just don't know what the hell they're doing. But I think that the message is probably clear by now that Roman may no longer actually be the guy. Brock Lesnar, not Brock Lesnar, uh, Braun Strowman might actually be the guy. Yeah, it is Braun Strowman. What do you think? Yeah, the Roman's been on a losing streak at the recent pay-per-views. And then Samoa Joe comes out after Roman makes this argument. Again. Is he a free agent? Is he on Raw? Is he on SmackDown? What the hell? No explanation whatsoever. At least with John Cena, you know he's a free agent. Can you at least put a little title card up? WWE free agent. But anyway, I digress. Samoa Joe comes out and is trash-talking Reigns, as he does. And Jinder Mahal comes out for some reason to challenge Reigns, too. And then... Well, technically, Samoa Joe didn't come out. Say what? uh, Samoa Joe technically didn't come out. He was on the Jumbotron. Uh, Yeah, but still. I mean, you know, whatever. He came Uh, out. You still still heard him discussing. But even still, what's the SmackDown guy doing on Raw? I know that they're trying to promote it, but if they could just clear it up. The dual brand. (laughs) So Mahal and Sami Zayn come out, and all right, and now Kevin Owens come out. Is this like national like hate on Roman Day? Like none of this makes any sense. None of these guys have interacted with each other in so long. So a fight breaks out, and it gets even weirder because Bobby Lashley and Braun Strowman come out to help Roman. When did Braun Strowman and Roman become friends? And Bobby Lashley and Strowman, I guess, are partners now without really – being partners or working a promo, I don't know what's going on here. This was just straight up confusing to me. But I was yeah, looking forward to the triple threat match, or sorry, the triple, or damn, three tag team man matches. I was looking forward to these three guys coming at each other. So at least I got that. Eh, not making any sense. You were thinking about six man tag team match. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I couldn't get the words you out because you can't say triple threat <laughs> tag team because that'd be three tag teams. But, oh, that's yeah. why I stopped and said triple man tag team match. Yeah, whatever. You know what? You know what I'm trying to say. I just believe that that Saudi Arabia event just screwed up everyone's storylines, and it it didn't affect them, but it sure just you know it just ruined it somehow. Like the momentum from SmackDown and Raw last week when they were in St. Louis, then they flew to Saudi Arabia, then they flew back to Montreal. That's a lot of jet lag, but it's. The Samoa Joe, yeah, I know you challenged Roman Reigns three weeks ago after uh, the Monday night after WrestleMania. It's a backlash. I'm going to kick your ass. Okay, we're redoing that storyline from last year again. So uh, then you got Samoa Joe starting fights on SmackDown. Like, what the hell's going on? But you can tell that Braun Strowman is the next guy for the Universal title. Hate to say it to you, brother, but it is. (laughs) <laughs> well, at least he got a proper trophy. I was shocked at how nice that uh, Greatest Royal Rumble trophy was. And I want to know who the hell is the guy that has to carry that thing around. Because it just Oil appeared money. when he came out. All <laughs> uh, right. That, so that brings us to the next segment where we had uh, <laughs> Ricky Steamboat against Ric Flair. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm so sorry. I meant Bobby Roode against Elias. This stank of... 
uh, Ric Flair going up against Steamboat. Uh, oh, no, sorry, no, Randy Savage. Randy Savage actually did this. Back in the day, Randy Savage went after uh, Ricky Steamboat, and he used the uh, the bell, the match bell, to, you know, uh, damage the throat, the larynx of Ricky Steamboat, and he was injured for a long time, comes back, gets his revenge, all that good stuff. This really felt like it. They were really trying to push it like that. But again, um, Glorious One's not really talking. Uh, he needs to work on his promos. Like The only way he's going to get better at talking is, is if he talks more. Get the bad talk out now so that he can get better. That's the only way he will. And this was fairly mediocre to me. Even the spot where Elias injures the, uh, um, Bobby Roode's throat I thought was weak. It didn't, it didn't go right. Eh, I'm not feeling too great about this, but at the very least, I like the idea. I like where they're trying to go with it to build up this rivalry. But I don't know about the execution. Mm. It's like designing ultimate triple option fake touch, a fake pass, and the running back forgets to flip it to the guy who's supposed to throw the ball. But yet, the guy still gets the ball and throws it. Sucky execution, but it works. This match could work. I don't think it. I just you have two faces fighting each other. Is Rude going to be a heel? Huh? Or two? You have two. Excuse me. You have two heels slash two faces. Whatever. This uh, it can put some hot sauce on it. Let's get get spice it up a little bit. But. And then a match because Rude was choking or couldn't breathe. Right. I wonder how he got backstage. It's not like and, we haven't uh, seen that before, though. No, There's a lot of matches. I mean, I mean, yeah. heck, we've seen Sin Cara stop a match, or I believe it was Sin Cara stop a match because he had a broken pinky. Like, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that brings us to the Authors of Pain versus oh. Jean-Paul and Francois. Who the hell are they? Well, I don't know. But apparently there were some indie guys that are fairly popular out in Montreal. Yeah, it was, you know, it was a burial. What else is there to it? Nothing. Uh, I guess, you know, it helps the Authors of Pain just get a little bit better and used to being in an actual WWE ring. But this was really nothing. I like the symmetry of them walking out, and I find it funny that now Roman's not the only one that actually wears a, like a like a vest, you know, like the bulletproof vest. He's not the only one now. Who's copying who now? Well, yeah, nah, there's nothing special to it. It is what it is. Any thoughts on it? Eh, no. They're doing the same thing like the Bludgeon Brothers on SmackDown, giving them useless independent guys building up their character for a title push that's going to happen maybe in two months or so, but not from that, not really. Mm. Uh, with that, let's move on to Seth Rollins and Finn Balor uh, rejecting the Mistrage's idea of becoming a four horsemen stable. First of all, those shirts that they had on were awesome. They were so crappy looking that they were awesome. Where can I buy them? Please put that on the WWE Network shop. I will buy that shirt, hands down. Uh, I feel bad for these guys. They're looking for a home. Somebody take these poor puppies in. Come on. These guys need some direction. I wish that they actually would agree to hang out with uh, Balor and Seth. But as much as I want to see that, I'd much rather see 
Finn Balor turn on Rollins. So we, like you were saying last week, we can have a clear cut matchup. And we kind of got that because the Mistarage were denied, you know, uh, by Seth and uh, Finn. And they try to fight him. Good luck with that. They get their asses kicked. And out of nowhere, Balor attacks Rollins from behind, making sure that he has his attention for their match coming up later that night for the title. But uh, it wasn't exactly a true turn. Uh, I'm assuming they're going to they're gonna work their way up to it, but for the love of God, don't take forever like you did with Sasha Banks and Bailey. That's all I ask. And if and if uh, Rollins, if uh, Balor is to say a true heel, it would be really nice to see that demon. Come on, can can you bring it back now? It's been way too long since we've seen the demon. Yes, more demon. Let's get some satanic shit going on in here. Please, sir, can I have some more? More? Oh shit! They're probably not going to give it to us though, but one can hope. Probably, but they won't. It's too no, easy just, for them to do it. I do wonder if Nakamura is going to keep doing his uh, the the makeup and everything. Because for those who don't know, Shinsuke Nakamura actually does the makeup for Finn Balor. So when he comes out looking like Carnage, you can thank Nakamura for that. Yeah, and of course, that. oh really? I'm surprised. So this brings us to Sasha Banks and Ruby Riot. Well. Again, Sasha Banks is not happy with Bailey. They still haven't finished this out. We're just waiting and waiting and waiting. Like the crew of Seinfeld when they were trying to get in and get a table at the Chinese restaurant before the movie. They're just waiting and waiting and waiting. I've kind of given up on it. Uh, so yeah, Ruby Wright takes on Sasha Banks. Uh, she's got trouble to deal with because Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan are outside as typical heels are trying to get any cheap shots that they can. And they managed to distract the referee as Banks tried to come back. But in the end, Ruby Wright It doesn't even matter. No, it really doesn't. But it's a shame because it was a really good match. I feel like Ruby Riot is also kind of lost right now. I don't know what the heck they're supposed to be doing. But as far as Absolution goes, I know this is separate. It looks like they're going to be getting repackaged. So we're definitely not going to be getting any type of Absolution versus Ruby Riot. I think that and idea quote, is dead. As- what page that? Mm. Absolution is dead. Deader than Dillinger. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's wrong. Ah, come on, he's been dead for so long. After after 10 years, anything can become funny. You just got to wait for that 10-year expiration date. <laughs> uh, moment of bliss. Are you liking what, what Alexa Bliss has been doing with these uh, PSAs? I'm enjoying it. I, th- I think that the writing could be better, but I, th- I think it's pretty funny. I really like it. And just continuing that storyline with her and uh, Naya. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're trying to paint her as a victim now. That's so, so I funny. like what they're yeah about going to uh, Disney about being not tall enough to ride rides. Yeah, that was kind of a it gave you a smile. Um, but 
Alexa Bliss, in my opinion, is the ultimate heel in the women's division right now. She can play the role to a T. I know Charlotte is a face slash heel, kind of. But when Charlotte wants to be a heel, she does it perfectly. But Alexa, she is a legend right now with that character. And no matter what the WWE is planning on doing, they need to keep her doing it. And it's she sells. She's a good person. She's awesome. I liked it. And I hope that they keep it going. Eventually, I want to see Nia Jax do kind of a rebuttal. I want to see her do some videos. I, I don't know what they would do or where to go with it, but <laughs> I, I, would, I would thoroughly enjoy it from her point of view. Then we finally get the, uh, the tag team match that we were promised in the beginning. Roman Reigns, Braun Strowman, Bobby Lashley taking on Jinder Mahal, Kevin Owens, and Sami Zayn. This was actually a pretty fun, hard-hitting match. I know the Bleacher Report gave it a bad review, but I actually liked it. I was cool with it. I just still can't help but want to turn off my brain because it doesn't make any sense why Strowman all of a sudden so cool with Roman. There's no explanation to that. But whatever. I enjoyed it for what it was. I thought it was a pretty rough and tumble match. And Braun Strowman winning actually took me by surprise because I thought for sure Roman would be the one winning because everything was focusing around him and getting help from Strowman and Lashley. You'd think that he would hold his own and end up being the victor of the match, but instead it's actually Braun Strowman, which again goes to the argument that we've been making. It's official, guys. You can stop hating on Roman. You can stop hating on him. He's clearly not the guy anymore. If he was truly going to be the guy, he would have won a WrestleMania or he would have won the greatest Royal Rumble. It's Braun Strowman. I think that was a slight little passing of the torch that they're trying to get past us without noticing. But I see you. I see you, Vince. I see what you're doing. Hmm. You think so? Well, mm-hmm. here's what I think. On Raw, you had these two guys, two tag teams battling it. And the only thing I could see was Americans versus Canadians. When people say Canadian, <laughs> how? Jinder Mahal is not Canadian. He's Indian. No, he was born and raised in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. So when you go back and look at your Wikipedia page, it was technically America versus Canada. Um, first off, I don't think Sami Zayn. I don't, first of all, I don't think Sami Zayn and uh, Kevin Owens ever got a big, you know, pop like they did over there in Montreal. But hey. Congratulations. They got a, they got that crowd. Fun. That whole crowd. Montreal, man, hats off. I forgot just how wild they get. I was Good, expecting some screw job crowd. to happen. <laughs> Montreal, Montreal screw job. Man. Uh, but I like the match, and you can you can clearly tell that Strowman is the uh, workhorse for the uh, WWE right now. But you, do you blame him? He's freaking dominant. He's kicking ass everywhere he goes, and he I'm just glad that. Reaction. Yeah, I'm just glad they didn't have Bobby Lashley win it because you could tell so far Bobby Lashley's return hasn't really. He almost has like that Batista return from a couple of years ago. Like, hey, yeah, you're here. Um, you can leave now. That type of scenario. So, yeah. I feel bad for Bobby I- Lashley, but I'm getting that same vibe. On Barack Lesnar. Everything that I'm hearing is coming. It's coming, people, one way or the other. It may not be this week, it may not be next week, but it's coming. 
But unfortunately, this week and next week, we're going to have to deal with this next storyline over and over and over. Baron Corbin and No Way Jose. Oh, God. I don't want to hate on this because I know these guys are great athletes to put their bodies on the line, but I don't want to watch this. This is terrible. I just don't like No Way Jose. And him going up against Baron Corbin, It's you, we, if you listen to our past podcast, ladies and gentlemen, you know my stance on Baron Corbin. He is a underused superstar in the making. He can beat the legit badass that a big cast is getting now at freaking SmackDown, which irritates the hell out of me because you had that character in SmackDown. But you, well, you have Baron Corbin coming in. Oh, let's go fight No Way Jose. Let's Go with your damn kind of line and get out of dang WWE. I swear. I feel bad for Corbin. He's just, I feel like the WWE is doing him like they're doing Rusev right now. Uh, they're repackaging him to something that he shouldn't be. But anyways, we can talk about that for ages, but continue, sir. Yeah, I think the biggest problem with Corbin right now is not only is he being underutilized, but I think his mic skills have actually taken a big step backwards lately. But I, well, I don't I think, actually think it's his fault because of what they're giving him. He's not him getting TV time. Much. Yeah. And what he is given is nothing. Yeah, exactly. You can't get better if you're not doing something often. There's only one good thing that came out of this, and that was that uh, Titus O'Neil and Worldwide came out for a little bit. That stuff was funny. But it had absolutely zero to do with No Way Jose and Corbin. Although, if you go back and watch, Baron Corbin's face was pretty good. That was priceless. (laughs) He was actually smiling. (laughs) That's actually pretty funny. I don't think that he was supposed to. Like, there's one thing Vince always wants. He always wants the face of smiling and the the heels glaring. He doesn't really – I'm sure that he gave him a little bit of an earful there. But that was hilarious. I thought that was really, really good as uh, Apollo Crews is wiping down the floor <laughs> so Titus O'Neil doesn't fall. But then he goes up on the ropes and he falls on his ass. That was really good. But again, it had nothing to do with these poor guys. Yeah. No way, Jose. Send him back, repackage him, give him something different. Baron Corbin, give him good, real competition. Boom. Give That's me it. Corbin and like Seth Rollins or Corbin and you know Finn Balor or him and Baron. Give him something that you can see his character. Baron Corbin, in my opinion, has a legit epic intro. How it starts off and his stance. He, in my opinion, he has the potential of being that young up and comer Undertaker, built the same just same way. Even though I'm not comparing him to Undertaker, he has that potential. But the I don't know what happened, but Baron Corbin should not be dealing with NXT newcomers or rookies. Anyways. Well, yeah, before we continue. move on from I have I have heard he got some heat. He did something to piss off Vince, which is why they had him lose the money in the bank so quickly, and he suffered some other humili- humiliating losses. I don't know what it was. Um Although it might have actually been when he was talking smack to uh, Dave Meltzer or Brian Alvarez. It was it was one or the other. Or it may have even been Bill Apter. Uh, but, yeah, Vince really didn't like that because he has a really good relationship with those guys. And I think it's either he legitimately meant the words that he was saying to the gentleman or he was in character and didn't realize that 
that was a no-no. Because he's still new to this. I mean, the guy was a Golden Gloves boxer and everything, but he's still he's still fairly new compared to a lot of other wrestlers in the culture. Just mm-hmm. as Ronda Rousey is. And she came out to help out uh, Natalia, you know, ringside as uh, Mickey James was taking on Natalia with Alexa Bliss in her corner. Uh, Natalia was going after Mickey James's arm because, you know, she was selling that injury that she got from Ronda Rousey. And things, you know, quickly escalate. But in the end, Natalia, uh, she, she, she re-injures her knee, but winds up getting the win anyhow. And <laughs> uh, Mickey James and Alexa Bliss, they think they're all good and that they're going to leave. But wait, here comes Nia Jax chasing her down. So not only does she have Ronda Rousey and Natalia in front, now she's got Nia Jax coming out, coming at her. Uh, I'm still loving this. This is all good stuff. I could keep talking about Alexa Bliss and Mickey James forever with what's going on with uh, Rousey and Natalia and Nia Jack specifically. And I think that this is all going to culminate into one big, beautiful explosion. But I can see that happening. Yeah. But we have talked a lot about Alexa, and we still got to talk about SmackDown. So we're going to move on real quick. Seth Rollins and Finn Balor for the Intercontinental Championship. This was definitely match of the night. This was great. This gave you everything that you wanted. And it reminds you why you wish that the WWE Universal title was on the actual show more often. Because if they could do what they're doing with the Intercontinental Championship, putting on matches like this, there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to put this, do this for the Universal Championship. Yes. It's so annoying. Yes. But this match, ah, this was great. Mm-hmm. Do you think uh, we're truly going to get a real face, Taryn, before we move on to SmackDown? Because we have been talking about these two. We, we have been talking about have. these two earlier. We need a face turn for Ben Dollar. We need the demon to return. And him and Seth Rollins have something great going on. Do they have a match at Backlash or no? Mm, I don't think so, because they just had the title match, which means Balor, uh, he's not going to get another shot, allegedly, for a while. I mean, I could see him getting himself involved again, but in the pecking order, he lost his chance. So next man up. But WWE does not keep track of wins and losses, as we all know, unlike New Japan. Hmm. Uh, I want the demon back. Give me the demon back, then put a belt on him. I like Seth Rollins, Finn Balor. Their matches are awesome. Just give me someone that you can, you know, really, really sell. And if you bring the demon back, I think that would just be enough to be a main event at Extreme Rules, that next pay-per-view. Or payback. It's one or the other. I have yeah, to double check. My my schedule goes by WWE pay-per-views. <laughs> <laughs> if last thing about Balor before we move on, if he was to come out as the demon, would you want to see the demon full time, like a legit villain, like treating him like uh, Carnage or something? Do you think that would actually be a good thing to reinvigorate him and actually? Really give him a whole new character, even though we know that that character, you could turn a storyline where it's now just the demon. Kind of like the Hulk and Thor Ragnarok, where it's just the Hulk, no banner. Do you think that would be a good idea, or yeah. do you think that's too much? Yes. 
because he's getting screwed. He's losing all these matches that he's in, and he's been like all the big top matches he's wrestled in to compete for championships. He's lost. So anger will start building up until he gets this demon comes out of him. Then that's when he becomes a savage and kicks ass. You could say oh. you can point it to like what like Bray Wyatt or Matt Hardy. How their characters completely just turned around and now look what they're at. And I was actually about to say, how cool would it be if uh uh you know they took they took uh he took on Bray Wyatt and Hardy. That would be lit. But like I said, we gotta move on. So SmackDown Live. A lot of people just want to say SmackDown, but I only just recently learned that you have to say live because Vince is treating it like a whole new property, but yet it still has the same name since 1999. Oh, well, whatever. Miss TV starts off with Jeff Hardy, Randy Orton, and Shelton Benjamin all conversing, and they all had a nice cup of tea, and that was the end of the segment. No, of course not. It always has to break out into some kind of fight. <laughs> there were two sugars involved. There was tea and sugar, and someone had a glass of milk, but that was about it. Oh, you mean Kurt Angle was in the ring? <laughs> no, no, no. We all know he loves his milk. Yeah. Where has he been lately? He's been gone for like two. Was he on Raw? Mm, I, don't know. I don't remember seeing him there, actually. Man had his day off. Well, he did wrestle, and he is older. Maybe he needed a time off. You know, maybe the Royal Rumble took a lot more action than people knew. But uh, this comes out, and he decides to have himself a little segment between your United States champion, Jeff Hardy, and brings out Randy Orton and points out to Randy Orton how disrespectful Jeff Hardy was to him when he cut off the Vipers intro. Well, Randy Orton was like, yeah, you know, you're right, but, you know, I respect him, and if I'm going to attack anybody, I'm going to do it on my own time. You're not going to see it coming. Wink, wink, wink. As he says that to the Miz. But then Shelton Benjamin comes out and says, wait a minute, Orton. You don't deserve a chance at that title because I beat you. So that means I should jump up in the pecking order. I like what they're doing with Shelton Benjamin right now. I feel like he's actually getting reinvigorated. I'm actually pretty invested in what he's doing. And I do want to see him win uh, win out eventually. Jeff Hardy having the championship right now is cool. Ain't no stopping us now. Uh, Jeff Hardy having the title is cool. It's fun, but mm, I'd much rather see mm-hmm. Shelton Benjamin get it because he already got the tag team title as well. So, like, I feel like he's gotten more than enough gold. Shelton Benjamin deserves some gold. So, by the end of this storyline, mm-hmm. I want to see Shelton Benjamin win. Mm-hmm. I think the only reason why they had Jeff Hardy win the United States belt is just so he can come on SmackDown so the United States belt doesn't turn hands to go to Raw. But you can say that about Sunday night. Oh, yeah, Seth Rollins is in a match. He, he's facing The Miz for the Intercontinental title. Oh, that is right, yeah. yeah. I was like, I know it's not against Balor. And they, better not, have the Miz win. they better not have The Miz win in that. So SmackDown will have all the belts. So there's no active belt on Raw. <laughs> uh, Unless they create that. a new one. No, the... Yeah. Uh, WWE, please do. Uh, we need another belt, individual belt. But the match between these guys, that was, you know, you went to commercial break and came back and they were starting to fight. I like the match. I like the chemistry between the guys. Shelton Benjamin is showing, starting to, he's not pressed me yet, but he's showing that he has the potential of being a superstar that can 
uh, be in the realm of the interna- uh, international title. With a, hey, there's a title belt name, people. Uh, the United States Championship. And uh, the Viper did strike, and it struck on old Jeff Hardy, which we will be seeing on Sunday, too. So. Yeah, he was sending a message, never turn your back on a snake. And, of yeah. course, Randy Orton always puts on a great RKO. That never gets old. A lot of wrestlers struggle with their finisher moves as they get older, but that RKO just keeps on going. Father mm-hmm. time be damned. Oh, mm-hmm. now this brings us to probably the most awkward part of Tuesday Night SmackDown. Big Cass talking trash to Daniel Bryan with a... Uh, well, I don't want to say a midget because I know that people take offense to that. So let's say a little person... I know I did, but it's context. <laughs> I know we're forgetting what context is in this day and age, but I'm just saying, I'm not calling them that. I'm calling them a little person, so I don't want anybody getting mad at me. It brings <laughs> out like a little he... person that looks <laughs> looks just <laughs> like Daniel Bryan. That's oh, like nothing on the radio. <laughs> no, now we're screwed. Now we're definitely not getting anything. <laughs> <laughs> All advertisements are pulled. We're screwed. Nike was about to call. They're out. They're done. FCC's going to ban us. There's an FCC. (laughs) (laughs) FCC won't let me be. Let me be. be. Oh, God. Nice M&M reference. This was so... I don't know. I wanted to like it because I've seen it before. Like with uh, Bret Hart when he left. uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels made fun of him by having a little person come out dressed up just like... um, uh, Brett the Hitman Hart. It was as comfortable. It was as uncomfortable then as it is now. Uh, I don't know what they were thinking doing this, and you know that Vince has a very particular sense of humor. Uh, he likes conga lines, and he likes little people. And I was trying to figure out whether or not that was actually Hornswoggle underneath, but I, I couldn't really tell. I, I hope it was because I hope Hornswoggle is making a nice little paycheck. Uh, since he left the company, he's, he's still with the company, I thought, but he's not in a wrestling role. Well, he might be on a Legends contract, which means yeah. that they just, you know, make all the T-shirts and DVDs and whatever, and he gets, I know he gets you, uh, the profit. Because I know Vince Man likes little people. Just look at the Newsday intro at WrestleMania this past last month. A bunch mm-hmm. of little people in their pancake dresses or suits. So. Yeah. And he also had like likes. a division back in the 90s of all little people. You know, I was that reading the Bleacher like- Report on this. <laughs> I was reading the Bleacher Report grade on this segment. I've never actually seen this before, but it got an F, a straight up F. I was like, wow, they really hated it real, real bad. Yeah, I haven't heard one good thing. No, I haven't heard anybody say anything good about this segment so far, whether it's on Wrestler Reporter or Cage Side Seats or whatever. Uh, I just want to move on from this and say the big cast deserves a lot better. The man can talk. Since he's gotten back, he's been doing excellent. But how are you going to go and give him a bunch of, you know, short jokes with the little person? It's just like, really? I, I felt bad for that guy to have to stand up there and be berated by Cass. Not only that, but take a very dangerous bump where he gets kicked, big booted by Big Cass. And of course, who yeah. didn't see that coming? Ooh. I will say, though, at least the crowd kind of had a little bit of fun with it. But 
Yeah, that's it. That was just, uh. <laughs> wee, 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 wee. <laughs> wee, wee. There's nothing funnier to me than hear a whole crowd yelling wee. <laughs> if you don't understand that, that means yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like in Spanish. What does El Nino mean? Well, it means the Nino. And the more you know. And Shinsuke Nakamura, coming up next segment, he demands an apology from AJ Styles. Uh, AJ Styles at the Greatest Raw Rumble finally blew up. He got tired of Shinsuke and all his cheap shots, and he took a couple cheap shots of his own. But uh, Shinsuke likes the nuts variety. <laughs> I, like, I forgot what AJ Styles said. I love it. And I'm the type of person, like, I wanted to watch the Greatest Royal Rumble match between these good guys, but I didn't want to, and they're like, I don't want to spoil it, because they're going to fight at Backlash, and I guarantee they're going to be fighting next month's pay-per-view, because the WWE title, I hate to break to all you people, is the biggest title currently still on WWE, because the Universal title is somewhere in Las Vegas, probably. It's not Las Vegas, but I love the rivalry between these guys. But please, for the love of God, WWE, don't ruin it. Oh, wait, you did. Samoa Joe. Yay, here we go again. Hey. Still making no sense. Why did Samoa Joe come out and interrupt everything? I don't know. But I did like the way that he got faked out by Nakamura. He actually was... He was actually standing around like he was ready to fight him. I don't think that he actually expected Nakamura to come out and take the cheap shot on Styles. I think it worked out fine fine for him. He was like, eh, whatever, that's okay. I did my trash talk and he got hit in the nuts. It works for me. But I wonder if he actually knew that Nakamura was going to come out. It's storyline-wise. I do wonder about that. Uh, Are they working together somehow? Who the hell knows? Samoa Joe right now just makes zero sense. Samoa Joe's that type of guy that goes to the fast food restaurant and argues with the cashier saying that my food, you you, did, you forgot my fries. And the lady's like, okay, I apologize. Let me go get them for you. Easy, dude. Calm down. Why are you here anyways? That's what Samoa Joe seems like. It's a guy who's trying to start arguments that really you can move along. You you, you just got back. You don't deserve anything. You're fighting, Samoa, you're fighting Roman Reigns at backlash for what? Just a match, and now you're saying I'm gonna come after and beat your ass, AJ Styles. You don't deserve that WWE title. You haven't fought for it yet. And there's a line of other superstars that deserve it more than you, Samoa. Him, AJ Styles, who's the current champion, Nakamura. Uh, shit, even Roman Reigns deserves it more than Samoa Joe. Uh, and okay, yeah, you can kind of say Bray Wyatt or Matt Hardy and any other. There's so many other superstars that deserve it before him. I just hate when the WWE is like, oh, we're just shove this guy in here because he fits the storyline. There's no damn storyline. Get away from me, Samojo. You're useless in NXT. You're useless in the um, ECW. Just get away. Get away. Shoo. Shoo. Get away. You're you're like Carmelo to me. Move. Get away. You're ruining my rivalry. You're, removing, you're, you're ruining my dream rivalry in the WWE since these two guys have been in the WWE. That's AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura. So, shoo. <laughs> Go on and do your, your own thing. I, buy your I, I think he's incredibly talented. I think the Samoa oh, Joe is be- awesome. I really like him. But yeah, you're right. Take him out of this. Like, give him a clear picture. It doesn't happen. Yeah. Remember, I'm not attacking the person, Samoa Joe. 
I'm not attacking him. I'm attacking his character at the moment. Samojo is a badass. Well, I want to be in the ring with Samojo. Hell no. But his characters like Carmella. I can't stand them. While you're in the storylines, you're ruining everything. Just shoot. Go away. But as a wrestler, damn, I, he's a damn good wrestler. I have nothing against that. Just injuries have gotten. Now, if he, he didn't have the injury from last year, and we've seen him over the last year with the storyline, it could have been completely different. But right now, yeah, shoot, get away from me. Well, I think that's what Xavier Woods has been trying to say to the bar. I still don't understand why the bar was moved over to SmackDown. But alas, they have gone over and, you know, here and there, they've talked a little bit with the New Day, but it finally came to a head as Sheamus challenged Xavier Woods to a match. And as you would expect, it was great. You know, you can't go wrong with these matches. But this seemed like, like, uh, like what you said before, it was an appetizer. It ended with a roll-up where Xavier Woods steals the win from Sheamus because, well, Sheamus looks like he could eat Xavier Woods. So it, it definitely was a nice upset. My favorite part of this whole thing, though, was definitely uh, Biggie. When uh, Sheamus challenges Xavier and Biggie just gets in his face, oh, all right, let's get it on. He's like, uh, I wasn't talking to you, fella. <laughs> and Biggie's like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> he just kind of flipped the switch so quickly. <laughs> that just caught me off guard. I thought that was hilarious. Biggie is by far my favorite of the group. Uh, I, I like this match. I like where they're going with this. The New Day against the bar. How can you go wrong? This is good stuff. Uh, this may be premature, but I do believe in the next 15 to 20 years, we will see the New Day inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Is that oh, pre- definitely. Pre- them, the Usos, are guaranteed locks. New Day to me, no matter what storyline you could put them in, they can sell it. The bar, I don't understand why they're on SmackDown, but I see a potential bludgeon brother versus the bar type of match. But Ooh. as of right now, the, face? Mm, the bar. If what they really. <laughs> I guess that would be the only ones that you could relate to because they actually talk. I, I do like the fact that the Bludgeon Brothers pretty much don't say a thing. I mean, I can't think of a promo that they've done, really, other than beating the living hell out of the New Day and everybody else that comes across. They're writing that thing very well. They're almost like a Braun Strowman tag team. Honestly, I think that's probably mm-hmm. the best way to put it right now. Now, as long as they don't talk, I think they'll be all right, because as we remember with Grand Gell uh, and the Brood, as soon as he started talking... It was all downhill from there. Don't let these guys talk for at least a year. Let them ride it out. And if they can get the mic work done, that's what's up. But or Grant, give them uh, Gangrel. Yes. Oh, even better. That would be a lot better idea. But, mm-hmm. yeah, Gangrel is my example of how having your superstar speak can be very detrimental when you have a really good thing going. But they also need to be like Sockmaster. Oh, we all need a Shockmaster. Titus O'Neil <laughs> might be the new Shockmaster, though. The torch may have finally been passed. <laughs> but it's mm. weird. This SmackDown felt very short to me because just as I was kind of shocked at how quickly the show came to an end uh, with this six women tag team match, Charlotte, Becky Lynch, Oscar against Carmella, your favorite, and the Iconics, Billy Kay, not Billy Ray, and Peyton Royce. It's taken me a little while to get used to their names. Uh, 
it, it, it kind of surprised me even still that we're at the end of this right now. And this was the end of the show. It felt so quick. Uh, I still like what Carmela's doing. I know you can't stand her, but the, the character. I can't stand but her I'm character. I'm loving it. I know, I know. <laughs> We've I can't stand her character. I, I like her as a person. As a per, as an individual, per, her, she's still dating Cass, right? In real life. Uh, yes, as far as I know. So their Not relationship. I look into together. these things. <laughs> um, I wish I was big Cass if I was in that situation. She's an athlete. She's attractive. She's a badass. But dear God, the character. Shut up with the damn voice. Besides that, you like Vicky Guerrero. Just shut up. Just shut up. Sorry, Camarilla. Your reign is over. The queen will get her belt back again at Backlash, hopefully. But I still As, feel like the absolution or no, not the the iconic. Is it iconics? Yeah, the iconics. It's just a double I that that will throw you off. It's like, is yeah. it the Ilconics? What? <laughs> but again, the women main event SmackDown again, fifty percent of WWE. Roster, women, kicking ass. That's why SmackDown and Raw, in my opinion, these last two shows are by far ten times better than the the sexist Royal Rumble. I mean, I mean the greatest uh, Royal Rumble of all time. Sorry <laughs> about that. Uh, maybe that oil money was good enough WWE, but uh, oh, sorry, that's a oil. I mean, uh, <clears throat> uh, pay per view money. Excuse me. Uh, but I like what they're doing with Oscar too. House show. So, yeah, house show. Glorified house show. Uh, Oscar's character last week, I was like, don't go down this road. Don't go down this road. And now you see what happened this week. I'm like, okay, I can actually dig it. Her, Becky Lynch, and Charlotte. Smart. Yeah. Um, attention, WWE. We need another individual title for the men's division, either on SmackDown or Raw. We need tag team titles for the women. Do it, yes. please. Uh, you have Riot Squad, you have Absolution, you got Becky Lynch and, uh, and Asuka. Uh, you got, if they do get along and kiss up and make out, I mean, kiss up and get back together, Bailey and Sasha Banks on Raw. <laughs> that um, was a Freudian slip if I've ever heard one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, um, now about maybe coming off as uh, looking at these women and gawking over them. Sorry, my bo- apology. Um, I like the match. Uh, Carmella, of course, you know, at the end, up the ramp, holding her belt tightly with the, uh, Charlotte just stalking her. Um, just builds the hype for Sunday's night, Sunday night's ma- uh, SmackDown match. So That's uh, there again, with something. Her Charlotte stare and Ronda Rousey stare can burn holes through freaking walls. Jesus, they're, they're, their stares are like, man. She's not selling that. That's actually she looks like she's legitimately pissed. Uh, but the iconics are the new version again of the Bella Twins. I like it because the Bella Twins. We we got the Bella Twins and all of a sudden they left because of injury and because of uh, what else? Pregnancy. Pregnancy. So we that was short lived. So this, they're like they're pretty, pretty much iconics. Are they're rebranded and relaunched as the Bella Twins? Of course, you got Becky Lynch and Charlotte and Oscar. Uh, Becky, 
Becky Lynch is such a great athlete. She deserves a title match, but she feels like a third wheel. The ti- yeah, you can't give her a title shot because you, know, you got Naomi doing her thing with her husband now. You have Charlotte still like getting her revenge mm. because the Iconics beat her. And you have Asuka that's up there, and she feels like she – and if you do the rankings of the women division right now in the SmackDown, she's about sixth or seventh. And she's she's maybe one of the hardest workers on SmackDown in the women's division, and she's always getting passed up. She seems like to me she's that – how can I phrase it? Back in, the, back in the Attitude Era, Becky Lynch was the Eddie Guerrero back when you hmm. had the uh, – what they call them, the evade, not the evasion. Oh, the radicals. And the radicals. He was always the guy that never got the tag team belts, uh, never got the hardcore belt. He was always in that European intercontinental title reign, but never really got that until he became, you know, Viva La Raza, Eddie Guerrero. That's what Becky Lynch mm-hmm. is to me right now. She's she's there. She works her ass off. She doesn't complain. She does her role. She does everything perfectly, and she just gets passed up by Charlotte or Oscar or the Iconics or Be- or. Um, or Carmella. SmackDown's main event, Raw's main event this week are two. We've had weeks that we've had Raw and SmackDown main events like, oh, that's how you're going to end the show? Okay. At least this week's main events because you actually have a legitimate pay-per-view with a legitimate storyline with a legitimate women wrestling in this event and Sami's name. Uh, backlash will be the greatest backlash ever. Um yeah, I'm kind of doing that because of Damn right. Friday night. But both main events sold. I liked it. I like how both shows ended and how the storyline's like, now you got to tune in Sunday night. It's a great way. Uh, I just feel like that, that event in Saudi Arabia ruined storylines a little bit. But for overall, I'll this just has remember, actually been a very entertaining week. I'll just remember the greatest Royal Rumble as the pay-per-view that shall not be named. <laughs> It's only a matter of time. Huh. Now, now we can play. You know, play that. Going to be the greatest pay per view is going to be Backlash, No Way Out, the greatest WrestleMania. God forbid. They better not put the WrestleMania over there. Yeah. Well, only time will tell. We know there's going to be at least eight or nine more pay per views out there. So this is only the beginning, people. Well, I say this. Now, all the areas that have had pay-per-views, Canada's had a pay-per-view, the United States, of course, has all pay-per-view. England. London has never had a, England no, they has never had a pay-per-view. They had the Insurrection pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. That's where... Yeah, um, Embrace of Asia, God, what's his face? Mm, no, wait. Uh, the British Bulldog. He won the Intercontinental Championship at Insurrection. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's what that's it was. Right. I take back my phrase. I was going to say... England deserves a big time pay per view now. It's been so long. They deserve. Well, they did a, have the you UK. Know, they had the UK championship. But they have not re- just a belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what I mean. Give uh, them a the battleground. Give them a money at yeah. bank. Or crap! Give them a Survivor Series. Give them a major and put that thing in uh, Wembley Stadium. I guarantee you'll sell out that bitch for excuse my language, but sell that out for Survivor Series. Or a Royal Rumble. Because those British would, people, they love their wrestling. Yeah, right now, uh, Ireland and England are becoming hotbeds for new original wrestlers. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. look at Sheamus, Finn Balor, all those guys. They're all killing it. Becky Lynch as well. 
But I got to say, it's 828. We're almost at the mark, but we got to say goodbye. Do you have any last thoughts before we close up shop? Yes, uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, please uh, tune in to Sunday nights with the Extreme Football Podcast. We will not have one this Sunday because of backlash, but we may do the same thing like we did today, do a dual episode based on XFL news. But besides from that, tune in Sunday night for a real pay-per-view of WWE Backlash. Um, I'm looking forward to it. But besides from that, I'm Jay Dash. Go follow me at XF Podcast, and that's it for me, sir. All right, and always remember, follow me at, at WrestlingMovieG, at WrestlingMovieG on Twitter. I actually got up to 50 subscribers, and then I lost one. So I was like, oh, I hit the benchmark, but it went right back down. Oh, well, what can you do? guess I got to keep posting. And I know I've been a little lethargic lately with the posting. I apologize for that. I have a lot of things going on, but have no fear. I'll be back on Twitter real soon. A heck of a lot more, guys. Oh, and if you haven't checked it out yet on YouTube, got a new film review up. Deep Blue Sea, the classic 1999 film. We've got a nice review up of that if you want to check it out. And remember, guys, after you finish listening to our podcast, please, if you could, if in the kindness of your heart, leave us a five-star review on iTunes or whatever service it is that you're using because the more five stars that are out there for this show, the more people will be able to see and listen, and that way the show will grow. And as always, we thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate you guys. And thank you for spending your evening with us. Until next time, take it easy, guys. Deuces! I'm touching myself tonight. I'm Ron Burgundy. You stay classy, San Diego.